Must you continue repeating the same points over and over? All I want to do is provide accurate information. Or information you've carefully selected to make your point. The case you've made to proceed with Operation Spitbreak should guarantee its approval today. Public opinion favors you. There's no stopping this from going ahead. We're taking steps in accordance with the general consensus. That's all, Siegel. Please keep that in mind when speaking of this. By allowing the war to spread, you also bring about more hatred. How far do you people intend to take this? We must work on effective measures to end this war quickly so that doesn't happen. There is no meaning in having a war unless one can end it in victory. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best and only episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast. My name is Jeremy. That was somehow anticlimactic. I was expecting a bit more fanfare. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. All right. Do we have any Gundam news? I feel like we should talk about it because it's been so long for us, but it's only been a week in theory for the listeners. I Man. haven't watched any more Iron-Blooded Orphans. Does that count? Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that series like basically done at this point? I think, or it's nearing its end. I watched all of season one, not interested in season two. I might watch it eventually. Now that I think about it, since we last recorded on this podcast, they re-released Code Geass, which is Gundam adjacent. Yeah, and coincidentally, because Zach bought the re-release, I got his old copy, and I've now watched, like, half of Code Geass. All right, so we're going to be watching episode 20 today, On a Calm Day. Yeah, that's a great name for the episode. It's accurate about what happens. It's another one of those slow ones. This is our kind of back-to-back slow ones, although the last one had a whole lot of tension building in it. I actually kind of almost think they should have flipped the two episodes just because the last one ended on such a tense note. You kind of want it to lead into something, but it would be tricky in a few regards. Yes. So since it's been so long, Tyler, what's happened in Gundam Seed? Why don't you catch up all the new listeners who started episode 20, a nice round number to start with. All right. So there's this guy. He's an awesome hacker like Neo from The Matrix who gets sucked into a giant fighting robot. Also boobs. They get stuck on a ship in space and chased by a guy with a sweet mask. Also, Neo's former love interest, who is Angel, because the saying it with a Spanish accent makes it sound more masculine, has repeated fights with him about the fact that they have disparate political views and broke up over it. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure everything you've said is technically true. I don't think any of it's been accurate yet. Uh, <laughs> also... Neo's best friend, I mean, he wears glasses, but he's not Morpheus. He's Psy. His name's Psy Argyle. <laughs> best friend is kind of strong. I think Tall is Kira's best friend, and Psy is just the anchor of their friend group. Yeah, okay. I'll believe that. Anyway, his girlfriend is like, man, I need me some of that coordinator... Coordinator cock alliterates. Yeah, it does. I just wanted to avoid saying it. Basically, she's Cersei Lannister, and she's just manipulating him into killing a bunch of people for and uh, he's falling for it because he's a hormone-filled teenager. And um, yeah, yeah, no, that's... that's I feel like uh, you forgot Lacus and Kigali. Not important the characters. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, sure the, they're the, not. The Betty oh. and the Cheryl Blossom to Neo's Archie. <laughs> Most recently, 
Psy decided to uh, prove his manhood by trying to pilot the Gundam because he's like, man, I could get my girlfriend back by doing that. And then it literally just falls flat on his face. It's hilarious. Even Mula Flaga, who you also forgot shame on you, <laughs> oh, yes. is not cool enough to pilot the Gundam. Yeah, also there's Moo. He's basically just the Fawns in space. Hey! So. <laughs> <laughs> he walks over to the Gundam when they need it fixed and just smacks it twice and it starts working. I feel like I cover most of the important plot points. <laughs> Kinda? Also, they crash land on Earth at some point. And you forget the Desert Tiger. No, XAA not sexy not... Rambaral. Not important, except for the fact that he has excellent taste in coffee. Like I said, I don't think anything you've said yet has been an outright lie, but I don't think any of it's been accurate. I mean, to be fair, I was trying to figure out by, like, briefly paging through my notes, which, while amusing, are not really informative about what's been happening. (laughs) They mostly exist for me to riff while we're watching the show and do not actually contain real content. So We've if, noticed. We read your notes. <laughs> so if this is your first episode, maybe go back one. <laughs> you can find out all about Sexy Rumba Rawl and his coffee and his hot wife. And Oh, yeah, I forgot I'm, about his hot wife. I, I'm going to help you out here. If this is your first episode, go back to episode one. The whole thing will make a lot more sense. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, real quick synopsis that's real is humanity's genetically engineered a new subset of itself called the Coordinators. They broke from humanity. They're at war now. They're developing giant humanoid robots to fight in space because that's how Gundam works. And the main character and the main character's arch nemesis, or arguably main character part do, are former best friends who are on opposite sides of the conflict because it creates drama and tension. Add in like three love triangles and hey, you're there. Yep. And two Shar Aznables, one is good, one is evil. You know, you could have just shorthanded by saying humanity created an entire race of Captain America. Well, they're not quite no, no, Captain America. That's my Americans. joke. Copyright Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the paperwork. I'm stealing it. Kira even throws his shield at people. Also, you don't need to file paperwork to have a copyright. You just need to have produced something with that. And we have recorded evidence of him coming up with that joke first. And you have no evidence of coming up with that joke first. That's why on our other podcast, I can just say copyright 2017. And it's copyright 2017. Yep. That's how that works. Now, trademark. Trademarks are hard. Yeah, you, you actually have to file for a trademark or a patent. Same with a registered trademark. Watch me shrug. That makes great audio material, Zach. That's why I let everybody know I was shrugging. <laughs> Picture me shrugging, audience. So on that podcast gold, we are going to be watching episode 20 on a calm day. All right, on a calm day. It begins with a last time on because we really need that after not watching for like three months for us, one week for you guys. Although I would say this last time on was not really helpful at all. I actually kind of forgot what was going on right now. So when the show actually starts, it starts with Athrin just in his car. I'm like, is this an alternate universe where <laughs> oh, Athrin- it, it's gone full Evangelion on us? <laughs> the last time mostly focuses on Lacus because she's back. Guys, the best character is back on the show. War is very difficult. You really Words like Lacus. I do. I don't think she's the best character in this series. But the person I play on the internet sure does. So then we get the opening. Second opening still isn't as good as the first one. It's never going to be. Yeah, I mean, the, the theme song is kind of underwhelming compared to the first one. They tried to make it more quick-paced, if I remember my Gundam Seed openings correctly. Both of these are pretty quick-paced. So the episode actually begins on the With plants, all. where we see Atherness car, like Tyler said, driving to his fiance's house. Yeah, and like I said, I was confused, and I thought there was a little girl in the backseat for some reason. He needs Eh. to learn what lanes are, because he just kind of... That's an animation problem. It's really hard to animate a car going straight, which is why they're all CGI now. But yeah, Lacus lives in a mansion because she's a rich pop idol whose dad is the president. I don't think they have a coordinator (laughs) White House. That's too bad. 
They do have a giant tower, though, so... That's true. They have a nice government tower. That's going to be a good final dungeon for Kira to <laughs> slog through. Well, of course. I mean, you got to make sure he's a high enough level somehow. Go and cover a firebrand in there somewhere. So Atherin brings roses and Lacus brings an army of Haro. Because she's like, you have cursed me with these. Now it is your turn. Oh my god, the horror. Like, with the actual voiceover, we don't have it when we're recording because reasons. But oh my god, this is such an annoying scene because the damn things don't shut up. Yeah, they immediately flock around Atherin too. And like, even he's commenting. I'm like, isn't this a bit much? Do we really need to have all these around here? But Lacus is just like a mother who's used to all her children doing nothing but screaming. <laughs> and he's just totally like, yeah, this is how it is. What's funny is that she rather shortly distracts them by playing the mustache game. <laughs> yes. Uh, she draws a mustache on one. He's like, okay, you're it. Everyone else chase him. Yeah, she was like, well, that got the kids out of the room for a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, I do like her dog. Her robot dog her, her, that can hover dog. for like two seconds to turn around? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's because it's hard to animate it turning around. They didn't really think through how that would work. I like to believe that's another thing that Atherin designed that's just like not as good as Birdie. Or all these Haro. Yeah, or <laughs> all these Haro. Gun the markers. That is what they look like. It just occurred to me. So they're having like tea at a table out on a balcony and they have in this desk like a roll up pen holder. Why does that exist? It's also usually has microphones in it for when she would sing, but it was more practical to put pens in it. Also, it's the future. So why not? With their superior genetic engineering, they figured out that was what they needed. Markers on hand at all times. So Atherin's like, I'm sorry I'm never around because I'm at war. And Lacus is trying to be all cheery and happy. And basically said, don't worry, I did your attendance at the memorial for you. Because that's how that works. Well, I mean, kind of. He was there in spirit through her. I actually really like how well they get along, despite being in an arranged marriage scenario. It, like, just because it defies that trope. Yeah, they're but, not upset at each other. Like, I think Lacus wants to be romanced more, and he's not around to do that. He's clearly kind of awkward around her, but he's awkward around everybody, so... Well, and they don't ignore each other. That's like, the, the two big ones are either like, they hate each other and want out of it, or they just, neither of them particularly care about each other. But they're talking about the war escalating, <clears throat> which makes me think that we just genetically modified all humans who became coordinators to be exceptionally loyal. They have no choice but to join the war effort. And Lacus doesn't. Well, that is true. But she does say, all my friends are joining war. All my friends are at war. That's why I don't have any, because the cast is already too big. So she brings up Kira and is like, hey, have you seen him again? And he has like an awkward war flashback trying to murder his best friend. He's like, yeah, yeah, no. And she gets very inquisitive about Kira. I don't think she, like in that scene, she wasn't particularly well, her face wasn't particularly well animated. No, there's lots of that in this episode. Especially, I feel like they don't figure out how to draw Lacus until about halfway through the season. So when she gets her uh, costume change? Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, things in this scene where, like, characters that have really serious... Like this one, right here. Atherin had a really serious face, and then an immediately flash cut to, like, ditto Atherin. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lacus is like, yeah, I totally show off Haro to him, and he was like, oh yeah, Atherin made Birdie for me. And I was totally jealous, because Birdie is awesome. He's got the badass Birdie prototype, and she's like, I got spheres, I have baseballs. She got Birdie GMs. That's <laughs> They were cheaper to make because of spherical <laughs> shape. And Athens like, oh, he still has it? He still cares? Yeah. <laughs> I still have a shot? Yeah, see there, like, the animation on Lacus looks a lot better than anywhere else in this episode. That's because this fun. is a flashback yeah. to an episode they already made. <laughs> then Lacus offhandedly throws out the comment, I'm quite fond of him. And Atherin is just, like, super surprised about this. 
Yeah. Tyler's notes say Tatherin senses the possibility of a threesome. And for me, I almost think she's like, can I put him on my cheat list? So then we cut to Patrick Zala giving a cool speech on TV, being like, we have to beat up the naturals because they suck. And they tried to kidnap our pop idol and they keep lying to us and they suck. I want to point out that you get a shot of Lacus Klein's dad on the cover of a bunch of magazines. And the heading or the headline on it is Klein, Klein is, is our leader. leader. <laughs> like, no, it just says Klein is a leader, <laughs> which is a thing where it's awkward English. It's English at all. So that's cool. But if you know how to read English, like you're American or something, it comes off very big brother. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was thinking. That it, It's very big brother Orwellian, like Klein is watching you <laughs> type of thing. To be fair, his face is literally plastered all over the city. So then we cut to Nickel and his family who are watching, including his dad, who is also a politics. He's super generic. Like, Nickel's dad, like, made no impact on me. I yeah, forgot what he looked like as soon as he left the You know, room. average height, brown hair. Like It's greenish. It, it's how generic can we possibly make a character? And he's like, political commentary. I think Klein, who does not want to beat up all the naturals with war, is too soft, and I don't understand. Which is a little show, don't tell, but at least we get some understanding of where people are politically. Uh, don't you mean tell, don't show? Yeah, I do. Also, can we talk about Operation Spit Break? I forget that was mentioned this early, because that's kind of a big deal. I just want to comment that it's a stupid name. Okay. It's a bad name. What would you name your secret operation? Um, operation Secret Operation. <laughs> operation Replace the President, because that's clearly what it is. Well, okay, that's what it seems to be thus far. Also, I'd like to point out that Nickel obviously got his green hair from his mother. And um, his parents are very proud of him. Okay, so this is my favorite scene. Maybe not my favorite scene. I exaggerate a little bit. Uh, Nickel's dad puts his hand on his son's shoulder and is like, we're proud of you. You can do whatever you want while you're home. And he's like, they both clearly know where Nickel's dad's porn stash is. And well, he's his, basically par- <laughs> his parents both leave like he has a girlfriend that we don't see, too. It's like hiding under the couch or something. <laughs> and his dad's like, it's okay. She can come out. <laughs> I, just, I find it odd that Nickel's starting to get a lot more screen time since he's basically just been an attachment to Atherin. I actually remember Nickel and Tall getting a lot more screen time than they both do. I like to talk about foil characters all the time because it's Gundam Seed's bread and butter. And they're both the best friends who just back up Kira and Atherin, where everyone else is kind of more critical of them. That's true. And so I do like both of them for that reason. Because both of them have all sorts of angst going on. So it's nice that they both have backup. And Nickel gets out all his angst by playing piano. Yeah, I like how the parents give him free run over the house and his first inclination is... I'm going to go play some piano. Well, you know, he's not much of a character. Although, spe- speaking of the animation in this, so there's music playing that is obviously him playing the piano, but it clearly shows his shoulders still moving when there are no more notes being played for a moment, and I just found it really jarring. It's hard to sync up music to animation. Yeah, well, I mean, they probably gave the animation staff, like, please make or animate someone playing piano here, and that's what they did. They probably had no idea what score they were animating for. So so we get a scene of someone who's obviously a diplomat getting off at the spaceport. Because, that's like, Isaac's mom. Yeah, oh, spoiler. That's Isaac's okay. mom. Yeah, because we see her again at the uh, round table of the like parliament thing. And I was We've wondering if seen she her. was important. We've seen her before. Have She's we? a politician. Okay. And also uh, Isaac's mom. Unless, no, they, they didn't I remove think... that episode. It's when they were going over all the specs on the mobile suits. She's actually there. The hearing. Where the Catherine's hearing. like... Oh, no, they have mobile suits. Yeah, when uh, Crusade's like, I need you to give expert testimonial yeah. that is certainly not pandering. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's that scene. And then that other woman is like, 
Lacus's dad's like only supporter in the government. Nice. I can't remember nice. her name. There are lots of characters in Gundam Seed. Yeah, so there's nice piano music playing, and all of a sudden, boom, dramatic music. So Patrick Zala is super villaining it up in like a dark room filled with chairs <laughs> with the lights off. And Siegel Klein, that's his name, comes in to be like, if you have to just keep saying the same things over and over, he's like, yeah, that's how politics work. Clearly, he's upset because he's going to lose this like upcoming, I'm not sure if it's an election or... It sounds like an election, yeah. Yeah. It actually sounds more like a council vote. Because while he says you have the support of the general populace, he also mentions the general consensus. So it's like, you have the support of the populace, but it's not necessarily the, the right choice, but it's the government's decision. Yeah, so I guess he is also chairman, so maybe they just internally, like, like it's Speaker of the House, basically. That's kind of my interpretation, but we do get some more politics later. So Because that's what every good Gundam show needs, is more politicking. Slash agree. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I do kind of agree with it. I hate how Gundam Wing just glosses over all of it. Read Battletech. Half of it is politics. Yeah, but it's like night politics, not like election politics. <laughs> no. <laughs> a lot of the later ones have election politics involved because they have the Star League. Well, first we Lord, they have to elect. the districts based on where there are broken down mechs. So they started talking about philosophy and Patrick Zala is all like, there's no point in war if you don't win. And Siegel Clyde's kind of like, yeah, but how do you win war? And then Patrick Zala goes full Magneto and is like, <laughs> We are the dominant species, and we will kill all the people who are not mute. I mean, naturals. <laughs> and then, um, I think that's the first time after he says, you know, we're the dominant life form. We shouldn't coexist. That's the first time I think it's kind of mentioned that the coordinators are struggling. Yeah, that's the first time it's uh, called out to me. I think um, we've mentioned before, but the coordinators are having diminishing birth <laughs> rates. No, yeah, I think I, we might have mentioned it, but I think yeah, this that's is the first time the, the show has actually saying. brought it up. So I kind of jokingly mentioned earlier that clearly the first coordinators were uh, created by Monsanto and therefore unable to continue reproducing. That's a science reference that goes over my head. Yeah, no, they're, they're a company that sells like uh, GM corn crops and they ah, specifically Oh, okay, yeah, them. they're that big. I do know who Monsanto is. Yeah, they specifically design them so that you can't, like, they don't reproduce <coughs> so you can grow corn, but the corn can't be used to grow more mm -hmm. corn after that. So interesting. So similarly, we're designing humans that can't be used to grow more humans. Well, they can. It's just those humans cannot then make more humans. That's but, why Lacus and Nathan are in an arranged marriage, because their fertility rates are high. Or at least higher than I mean, just realistically, if they want to get over this problem, they should get rid of the taboo of having sex when you're teenagers, because <laughs> that's when you're most fertile. So. so then they have a debate about love and the production of life. Yeah, and uh, I actually agree with Zala here, more or less. So basically, uh, Klein's counter-argument is like, does more efficiency lead to happiness? And my argument is that it leads to more efficiency. I don't, I don't really care. I think we're supposed to agree with Klein here, but I actually agree with Zala. I so. think that's the idea. You're just a weirdo. Yeah, well, you know, team intelligent life, man. And then Patrick Zala leaves, and Siegel Klein is like, oh, Patrick, we didn't evolve. And like, I think he's trying to be like, you know, naturals and coordinators are the same people. But I think he's just being snarky and be like, that's not how evolution works. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it. And we get the eye catch right after that. Yay. There's a giant robot in this episode. It's in the eye catch. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Jeremy, not Tyler. I edited this one and the next one. And I actually don't have much to say this week. So I'm just going to say, check out our website, www.lastpodcast.com, where you can find our Mobile Suit ranking list. 
as well as our past episodes. We're going to be weekly this year. I'm really working hard to make sure that stays true. Next week's episode's already edited, and it's the longest one we have yet, which should make up for this week, where we have kind of a short one. So I'll let you get back to it already. Thanks for listening. Then we get to the council, which is like a horseshoe of peoples. Why doesn't every anime just have council meetings with the government with like case (laughs) numbers, starting with Operation Spit Break? There it is. Again, I didn't think that got mentioned until like 10 episodes from now. And then as soon as that gets brought up, we uh, cut to Crusade on his bed in clearly agonizing pain, reaching for some sort of pills. We also see his mask is off. Again, tantalizing we might see him without it and be expected to know who it is. Almost. He's blonde guy. He's actually Mulaflaga's brother, just based on that awesome hair. Did I get unfortunately close to the mark there? <laughs> You're not as close as you think, but... So he gets a call from Zala, who's like, we're still in the meeting, but uh, Operation Spitbreak is totally happening, and I need you to deal with it. And Crusade is like, I'll put aside this crippling pain, because that's what I do. He took a pill. He took his ibuprofen. I was actually thinking it was just incredibly hungover and like having like the shakes... And they have future Hanover pills. I'll get right on that. I'm probably still a little drunk. <laughs> yeah. Now, Crusade seems like a partying type. But then we get this ominous, like, you can be conceited all you want, Zala. And with, like, an evil grin, like, clearly he's planning on betraying yeah. him He's very Sith Apprentice, where he's like, oh, yeah, Master, yeah, I'll totally do that. Time to murder you with my lightsaber. So then Atherin's getting ready to leave, and Lacus is like, oh, I wanted you to stay, and my dad wanted to talk to you to try to convince your dad to do stuff. You know what I just realized? Huh. Where'd he get the coat? He doesn't come in with a coat. Yeah, he did. No, no he didn't. Oh, no, he does wearing the yellow shirt. Maybe it was in his car, and he went out and got it. No, okay, so, sorry, when he said he didn't come in with a coat, I'm like, he's worn this coat before. I no, like it, his coat. It's just awkward, because he doesn't come in with a jacket, and then he's like, I have trench coat. I think it's implied that it's been a couple hours and maybe he just like went out to his car to grab it or I mean, something. It, but I, I say that, but it's also kind of, th- this is his girlfriend's house. I could totally believe that he just had a coat here. Yeah, I mean, Dan leaves stuff at our house all the time. It's a problem, frankly. And Athens like, I have errands to run because I never have vacation. And Lacus is all like, aww. And the Haros are like, what is mood? And he's like, meh, maybe I can come back. And she gets super excited. So that there's some awkward leaning in, very awkward. Lacus is totally into it, and then Atherin just gives her a kiss on the cheek, well, like, because uh, Lacus just doesn't have any luck. I thought he was going for a kiss, and then got <laughs> yeah. surprised that she was going for Like, I wanted to make a snarky remark on this scene, but it's, like, frankly a little too real for me to <laughs> make yeah, fun of. Yeah, they both don't know what's happening, and she seems more into it after a moment, and then he, like, backs off. I mean, I've been there. Also, we get this awesome scene of Atherin driving on the highway. In the foreground is some horribly designed vehicle whose function I cannot comprehend. It looks like it's a mafia vehicle for (laughs) running him off the road. It's called a van. It's so poorly. Like, I assume it's aerodynamic or something, but it looks goofy as shit. So does his car. Well, yeah, I actually, like, I saw that, and then I looked closer (laughs) at his car. I'm like, oh, his is also awkwardly lumpy. So then we actually get a scene that's been edited in the HD version because Rusty has a face. Oh. <laughs> He's got a face. He did not in the original. <laughs> As Athern flashbacks to the people who have died, including Rusty's face. And it ends up culminating in Kira because it's like, man, am I actually going to have to kill Kira? Because that's a death that would actually be on my hands. I joined the army so that people I like wouldn't die anymore. So he's conflicted. And after that, we jump back down to the yeah, Earth me- and the Archangel. I was going to say, meanwhile, on Tatooine. Because he is bringing Psy food. Because even though they have a brig, they haven't animated it yet. They don't have that set built yet. So Psy <laughs> is confined to his room. 
But at least they locked him up, unlike Lacus, who gets free <laughs> reign after threatening to murder their only asset. You mean Flay? Yeah. What did I say? Lacus. Oh, you know. Lacus threatened <laughs> to kill herself, right? So because he's like, hey, Kira, maybe maybe don't come in. That seems smart. Though Kira is clearly very upset about what has happened. And he notices Flay kind of spying on them. Yeah, I'm actually kind of conflicted over whether Kira should have gone in anyway, because I'm not, like, I, I feel like Sai may have cooled off enough by now that they could, like, talk about it or something. But... Clearly they need to talk, but they're teenagers, that's the last thing they want to do. Yeah, well, they're teenage males, specifically. And Cuzzy? Come on. Cuzzy, <laughs> he, he's listening to Cuzzy's advice. So, I mean, clearly Sai just had a traumatic episode, and like with a physical disease, you want to eat bland food after that, and Cuzzy is the bland food of humans. <laughs> He's not that bland. He has a name. He has a personality, even. Yeah. It's I was just gonna not say, very so does exciting. Rice. So then we cut outside to the grown-ups. Maru, Moo. Is Nataro on this scene? I think. I don't, I don't know. think she says anything. I think she's physically there, though. And uh, Desert Don guy, whose name I think is Ahib, but I'm not sure. I'm not just being racist. It might be Sahib, actually. That sounds right, Sahib. Yeah, Nataro is. I don't know his name. But so, that guy. So they've got a nice map rolled out and are planning over it, which is the best. And he's like, yeah, we got landmines here, and they have to come to us for some reason that's not really well explained. So why don't we fight here? And they're like, well, you could just surrender, you know. What do you get out of it? And he, I think this is kind of, I don't want to say poorly translated, because both the sub and the dub sort of say it like this. But I think the message he's trying to get across is that if he gains independence from Zaft, the Earth Alliance won't really come and take over, so they'll basically be independent without having to fight a revolution, as I think the point that's trying to get across. Yeah, and I, he basically is, is trying to say we want to be sovereign. That makes sense. I can understand that kind of a wish. And also, just stuff that happens in Destiny that seems to be what the fallout of this is, but we don't really see it, so... I'm not really sure if it's a bad translation, if it's a bad free-written sentiment or what. But he agrees to team up with the Archangel. They're going to lure Sexy Rumble Roll into some landmines and then try to blow him up and get past. And Moo's like, that seems like a plan, Captain. You should do that. And then she's like, yep, I will do that. Then we cut into the hangar where Kigali's playing Galaga. Yeah, that sounds about <laughs> right. You got all of them basically running through a... Uh, a training simulation it, for the Sky It's Grasper. a training simulator for the Sky Grasper. And if anybody's ever seen like those driving game... Setups like crew, like, like uh, the Gundam games they have in Japan, and I want to play so badly. I'm not familiar with those, but like you see the driving this cages is and whatnot. What, like actual Air Force training cockpits look like. Too, I think so. the I think the actual Air, Air Force cockpits are actually up on jacks. Yeah, to simulate G forces and stuff. But I think this is clearly what that's supposed to be reminiscent of. Yeah, I, I think so too. It, it more like a portable version of the same system, but so Kigali's doing it and she's kicking ass. She only got hit two times, which is good, but also she got hit two times. So yeah. She's very aware that that means she, she would, would be dead or at least shot down. <laughs> but she's also clearly enjoying herself. She gets a triple S rank or scores like a lot higher than the next person behind her. Everyone's like, wow, you're so great at video games. It's like you have combat experience and we're all nubs. And Murielia and Kezi are like, yeah, we got shot down right away. And Tala's like, what? Why have you not let me play this sweet game? <laughs> he was driving the forklift. <laughs> he was. And Kali teases them about how they've never shot a gun and they all suck. And there's some, you know, quick, you know, resetting of the theme. So like, hey, it's not like using a gun is something to brag about. But uh, the flight deck officer, whose name I can't remember. Yeah, but being a dead soldier is bad, too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Although if your job is to man a computer, you don't really need fire training. Yeah, yeah I mean, but they all still have gone through basic training because in the event their craft is boarded, they'd need to actually defend themselves. I will say that Ed who has been through basic and technically deployed in the live combat zone, refers to his position as a member of the chair force. 
So <laughs> That's because he's a member of the chair force. Yeah, I'm just saying. Technically, you would know how to use a gun, but you would never <coughs> actually use a gun. Conversely, our other friend, who is in the mar- who is in the Marines, is a electrician. I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Something. If, if you ever listen to this, correct me, man. But he is a rifleman. Yeah, but that's because Marines are all riflemen. That's it, a Marine thing. Yes, but still, they all technically know how. And I guess these guys would be closer to Air Force or Navy. Yeah. But they still would all theoretically be trained in how to use them. I don't yeah, think all they, Navy officers are trained in the use of firearms. I think it's part of basic training. So everybody who goes into the military is trained to use a gun. Yep, regardless of what your actual deployment's going to be, I think. I think even medics are technically trained to use a gun, although they are not actually allowed to carry them due to NATO regulations. I feel like that's Geneva Convention, but... Oh, yeah, that Geneva Convention. I, I get the two mixed up for some reason. NATO is the trade organization. It's got yep. nothing to do with warfare. Well, no, that's, that's NAFTA. Oh, damn it. I got no, that confused again. No, NATO is, uh, or NATO is basically New World uh, League of Nations. Uh, so they probably enforce the Geneva Conventions, but... Long story short, medics don't usually carry a gun. Yeah. No, if you're leading the League of Nations, you're not supposed to try to take over the world. <laughs> We're going to do that. Anyway. So Tall gets super excited to trade, and the helmsman is like, okay, if you get shut down, you can't eat. Yeah, because basically it's like, it's not a game. He's like, yes, I'll take it seriously. Like, okay, no rations. And Kigali like, looks all pridefully at the spare sky grasper they have just lying around. <laughs> and some random dude's like, no, you can't get in. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm at 15. I know that. <laughs> Mechanic's like, no, you're not ready to pilot a real one. Who is? Why? So Kira, like Patrick Zala, is hanging out in the dark. Except he's not watching an ominous screen. It's because he's, it, not, he's not high enough rank for having an <laughs> ominous screen. And in, in his case, it looked more like actually sulking. thinking and sulking as a teenager and not... I'm planning my diabolical plans. I mean, he, yeah, he wasn't stroking Birdie in his lap. Birdie was just sitting there. And he didn't have, like, ominous lighting on his face to give him this real Sith-looking appearance. So then Flay comes in and is like, why do boys hate lights? And sits next to him and he kind of confronts her about hanging out near where Sai is. And they, like Lacus and Atherin, get to be kind of awkward, but without all that friendliness. I don't know. I thought she was going to avoid the question at first with her, like, leaning on him and looking away. And then she basically calls Sai a fool, and Kira does not take that well. She yeah. does not basically call Sai a fool. She actually calls Sai a fool. And so, yeah, Kira is clearly feeling guilty <coughs> about his... He did beat Sai up well, because of hormones, basically. I mean, he beat up Sai. He made Sai look weak. He stole Sai's girlfriend. Yeah, all the guilt is hitting him. And also, you can kind of tell Flay is, like, trying to come up with lies for why she's with Kira. And not tall. And she tries to get physical with him really awkwardly. Yeah. And what I, mean, I think is the o- animation being awkward rather than her. But could be both ways. She basically tries to rape him. And he's like, no, sorry about that, by the way. Flay is just clearly dejected. She's been rejected by the guy she left her boyfriend for. Well, see, and I'm a little confused about that because when she initially decided to leave Sai for Kira, she was clearly doing it for manipulative reasons. And I'm wondering why she's taking it so hard well she throw away everything for nothing if he if it doesn't work right yeah so I, that's one thing i guess like the emotion she's displaying is not the one i would expect from a manipulative heartless person which makes me think that maybe we she was she, in a bad place right yeah she not, did it all in, like she needs a psychologist they all went to evangelion <laughs> though and died so then we get a shot of Sai, sad and alone in the dark at least he makes sense to be in the dark we get a real nice shot of flay just being real upset as Birdie tries to like comfort her comfort by her. landing her on her. Atherin turns on his own lights and sighs. Everyone is sad. That's what happens next. Except for R- Rao, who's like, man, Rao's I'm d- like, yeah, 
I'm going to do life, some I'd stuff. <laughs> so he and Patrick are like, yeah, Operation Spit Break, and I bet you will be elected president next election. So everything's going to be cool. And then Atherin grabs a nice heat tap out of the fridge. Be honest, you've killed for less. <laughs> and then he looks at a collage of photos, including one of him and Kira, and is sad. I would also like to point out that his collage of photos is a varying quality of art. Well, like, <laughs> that was, it was edited for the HD version. They added in Rusty there. There was not a picture of Rusty in the original version. Rusty was a name, <laughs> not a person. Yes, cheap personhood in the update. So then we have Kira being sad, looking at the strike, and then getting a determined face, because he knows what he has to do. And we have a similar thing with Atherin across space. I really like the shot where it like has the illusion of them being back to back. I will be honest, this actually almost gave me goosebumps just watching that like one little cut there. It was really good. Zach's like, I don't have emotional responses. <laughs> I I have emotional responses. <laughs> so everyone is a teenager and that's awful. Guys, just just like you got like four more years. It's okay. <laughs> you, it, it, it passes. You might all be dead by then. I was going to say, who will survive? And that's the end of the episode. Done, done. Done. Well, clearly not that guy who's home with his on across there. Most of the endings for Gundam Seed are actually just a whole bunch of like wreckage and post-apocalyptic. And when you start getting a pretty high body count, it gets real sad. Like, especially at the, at the end, like the last ending of Gundam Seed Destiny, it's a lot of dead people on like a mech graveyard. They don't start removing people from the ending. No. But maybe they should. I don't know. I feel like the impact would be oh, if you, much greater. If have you ever heard space. of Gun X Sword? No. That is actually not a great series, but their opening doesn't fill in people that haven't appeared. And when those people have died, they um, are removed. Yeah, they black them out. Okay. Just, I did not actually watch the next time on. Oh, you, you haven't seen Seki Rambaral's tiger no, flight suit? No, I just noticed the tiger flight suit. Actually, can we put that at the top of our mobile suit list? Just Tiger <laughs> flight suit? <laughs> tiger flight suit. Uh. We have no new mobile suits to rank, and there are like four that show up next episode, and then two more the episode after that, and then they just flow. <laughs> so we're going to be playing catch-up. But yeah, that's episode 20 on a calm day. A slow episode, but again, the slow ones are real good. There's lots of emotional stuff. That's I why I, I didn't talk very much here, is because emotional stuff is not... There are not to... enough explosions. Things need to blow up, yeah. I mean, I feel like there was a lot more fluff <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, but there was a lot of like important political nonsense going on at the end, which I liked. So, yeah, again, I think it might have been better from a ratcheting tension standpoint to flip this episode in the last one, because that ended on such a tense moment with Walfelt and Kira confronting each other. But I really like this. It's just sad that Kira and Athern aren't going to see each other for a while still I, to pay all that emotion off. But wait, Sai and Clay and Kira will. Didn't the last one end on Sai's Sai failure over? to pilot yes, the mobile suit? it did. So Kira's meeting with Waltfeld, he was actually leaving the meeting, so all the tension was already pretty much gone. Yeah, yeah, but it's built. It's building up to their next fight, right? I guess. I hadn't thought about it like that, but either way. So yeah, I quite like that episode, even though I've been waiting to talk about it for a long time. <laughs> and uh, next time we get some exciting action scenes. Ne yes. Next time someone dies. And sexy Rumble Raw wearing a tiger jumpsuit. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. So, Tyler, what's your high point of this episode? Um, the awkward miss-kiss opportunity between Atherin and Lacus, I think, is mine. That girl can't catch a break. Crap. That was mine. Yeah, it was a, it's a good scene. It Like, it's too awkwardly real. So, I guess I'll just have to uh, take a slight shortcut and say the awkward interaction of Kira and Flay for mine. Yeah, I mean, I also really like that scene, too. But. Yeah, I want to say everyone being sad at the end, because we made fun of some of the animation at the beginning, but Flay... <coughs> Flay's face gets animated so well, so often in this series, and her look of despair there is great. Also, runner-up, Atherin realizing Flaccus wants a threesome. 
<laughs> Some yeah. low moment, Tyler? Probably the awkward scene introducing Operation Spitbreak to the council. Like, there's a bunch of murmuring and stuff, and then it just cuts away, and there's, like, no payoff at all. The Harrow Swarm. <laughs> That's the low moment, really? That was runner-up for top for me. I really don't like the Harrows no, in this I series. D- I agree, they're horrible. There, there's they're one horrible. Haro I actually like, and it takes place in a uh, Gundam series that is absolute crap. That double O, I think, gets better. Maybe, but like the one line I've ever heard a Haro utter was, you suck, and that's the only Haro I've ever thought was actually worth anything. So my low point is going to be Saeed's speech. I want to like it, but man, is he become a nothing character who I don't understand what he accomplished. Like, it's also really awkwardly worded. See, and like... I, I actually kind of like that it's awkwardly worded, because if you're talking about something like that, it's not necessarily something that you would be easily able to put into words. Yeah, but then no one else is like, what, what? in the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Like, you guys usually react when I start talking. Yeah, Moo's not like, I didn't really get that. <laughs> but, you know, in the, in the cool way, he would write it off so that no one would think that it was awkward, because that's how Moo works. All right, any final thoughts on this episode? Pretty good one. Pretty slow one. More Lacus, yay. <laughs> she goes back in her cave now for a while. Uh, they she gets put her put back in the cubby. Yeah. <laughs> well, they keep her in the mansion, and uh, only Atherin has keys. So <laughs> And her dad. Clearly somebody else did. I mean, they got her on the boat. No, I'm just thinking about how someone else gets there, and that discussion's going to be fun. Oh, yes. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yes, it is. All right, any predictions for next episode, Tyler? There's going to be some landmines, um, probably. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Well, so I imagine there's going to be a fight. It may or may not be a protracted two-parter. I doubt it. And I think Sexy Romperol is going to be pushed back because you already alluded to the fact that the Desert Rose, is that what they call themselves? I don't even know. Are Desert gonna Dawn. Are going to gain quasi-independence. Yeah, sort of, but like it's real vague. <laughs> like I said, I think that's what happened. But b- based on that, I think our... Uh, Plucky hero is going to. Die. I hope we don't describe Kira as plucky. No, because that's I would the not. last word I would use. Yeah. Our emo hero, our sad teen. Yeah, he's not even emo because he's like in a good mood most of the time. He just like shit just happens to him constantly. Yeah, he's not Daria. How much better would the series be if Daria was just around to snarkily comment on everyone being an emo ass? Now I just want an epic rap battles of history of Daria versus Lacus Klein. I mean, I agree, but I don't like. I don't feel like they have enough similar points to no, uh, they don't to force a rap battle. All right, join us next time when we'll be watching episode twenty-one, "Beyond the Clouds of Sand." Wow, man, that is a title. Yes, it is very <laughs> much so. Hey, I've been watching Dragon Ball Z Kai, and they uh, the titles there. Hercules shows up, and then Cell beats him up. So yeah, see you guys next time. Bye. Podcast production, copyright 2019.